Welcome to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast, where the discussion ranges from employee safety, environmental protection, policy creation, training methods, employee engagement, and everything in between. Your host is Dr. Mark French. As an industrial and organizational psychologist and certified safety professional, he's going to share information and anecdotes from years of experience in the people side of safety. Safety is so much more than a technical skill. It is a motivational need that defines the culture of your organization. Employee safety is a meaningful business practice that makes a direct impact on everyone through direct behavioral engagement. That is why your organization should be using safety as a key method to learn about your culture and lead your teams. Thanks for joining this episode as we talk through current issues in EHS and how they impact our everyday workplace. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. So happy you could join me, as always. Happy that you uh, joined me here as we chat through those things, environmental health and safety, and specifically focusing on the leadership tools, the guidance, the culture, the learning, the motivation that comes behind everything we do in safety. So this week, uh, there was one major news story that really dominated uh, a lot of what I was seeing and a lot of what I was looking at this week. Uh, It all started on Monday morning. I was on my Facebook feed flipping through, just seeing if anything was happening. And there was a lot of live news feeds from Rockton, Illinois. And you may have seen this because it was pretty popular. Uh, It created some pretty big news. But There was a chemical plant that uh, had a fire that broke out that led into a complete loss of the facility. They were a company that manufactured industrial greases and oil products and, and thick greases that would go into different types of machinery. They were a specialty chemical manufacturer, um, fairly large building, uh, had a fire that started. They evacuated the facility. From what I have most recently read, they were able to evacuate everyone safely, which is good. Um, But it was on the news for quite some time as they really couldn't put it out. They tried to guard the rest of the areas the best they could. And it was huge flames, uh, billowing, billowing black smoke, which would, of course, indicate that petroleum product, uh, that heavy grease that would be burning. And it was just a huge shadow over the entire community, over the area. And there was lots of information as they just continued to film it from uh, news helicopters, from on the ground, uh, showing this fire just continually burning and burning somewhat out of control. And ultimately, it appeared that they just they tried to put water around it to keep it from spreading and they used other chemicals to try to keep the fire from spreading. They tried to build some trenches to prevent environmental impact. And ultimately the building was a complete and total loss of this chemical plant and lots, certainly lots of unknowns that are out there because They're not really sure the environmental impact so far. Air readings have been okay. 
Um, certainly the fire probably pushed a lot of the debris and fumes up higher. So it, yeah, there was probably definitely a smell, but so far they are saying that there shouldn't be any health issues due to the fire based on their response to it. And it was very unfortunate, very fortunate that no one was injured, uh, that the community aspect, they're trying to get ahead of it. They're doing what they can, which is, which is good. Very happy to see some of the response, very unhappy to see that it happened. Uh, very unfortunate. And I think I want to start with looking at this situation. How do you handle from a leadership standpoint? Worst cases happened. Your your building is on fire. You're losing everything right there. Where do you go? How do you handle that? And I'm actually impressed so far by what this organization is doing. Um, of course, first of all, they're looking at the health and safety. They've published a list of all their materials. Uh, there's You can look at them online. Like, here's the stuff we use to make our greases. Here's what they are. They're not giving you the formula, but they're telling you, like, here are the items in it. They're talking about confidence and health risks. Uh, they've sent teams out to do sampling in yards. Um, if any large debris, uh, like ash and debris, fell into your yard, you can contact them. They are coming to clean it up. They published an infographic about the mix of chemicals. Um, they really want to help that they, they appear from this standpoint, I'm happy about this, that they're trying to be ahead of it, that they want to make sure their community is taken care of. They have done the EPA referral. Of course, Ocean EPA will be there at some point investigating. So I know they're trying to get ahead of that. They are, uh, they have a number. They've already contracted with a pretty large, uh, EPA cleanup firm that says, Hey, you call this number, you tell them you're with us, they'll come out and clean it up. And not to touch it on your own, don't do that, let us handle it for you. So well orchestrated, very quick, very efficient in getting that message out. Uh, within just a few days, they were very proactive in how do we get out in the community. Um, request for reimbursements even. If you had to leave your home because of the smell or other issues because of this item and you need reimbursement for the hotel you were in, uh, they've already set up a, a, a item for that. Of course, they're going to comply with all of the OSHA things. That's usually a stock language. <laughs> they're going to be part of, I'm sure, multiple investigations at this point. Um, I like this. They have employee support. They have counseling available if anyone needs it. If something from that aspect of what was happening, they need to talk about it. They're continuing full pay and benefits at this time for their team, um, which were affected, which is optimistic that they may try to rebuild or maybe find another area to house the work they want to do. Um, so, Hopefully things will get back to normal for them. But I think this is a great part of leadership. And it's not admitting that they have... Some companies want to avoid that admission of guilt, so they do nothing. Um, they do the bare minimum only when they're ordered to do it because they feel like that in court that's going to look bad, that, well, we're admitting. And, and sure, this is pretty hard not to admit, but they're doing the right thing. They're getting out ahead of it, and they're wanting to make sure that they've assured 
their community that we are going to take your health and safety seriously. If you need help getting cleanup, we are here for you. We're going to take care of it. If you had to stay somewhere because of what happened, we're here for you. Our our employees, we're going to pay you. We're going to make sure you have your benefits. Don't worry about that right now. We've got other things going on. Uh, we don't need you worried about that. There's a psychological safety behind what they're doing here. And I think this is one of the better responses that I've seen to some very bad things that happen in an industry. Um, Sometimes you just see that stock notification that says we will comply with all environmental and health and safety investigations. Health and safety and the environment is our most important item. And that's it. That's all you hear. Here, there's things actually happening. And as bad as this situation was when I saw it, uh, they are trying to be proactive. And I think that's something that's very positive for the psychology of items. And it's very positive for what they're talking about on the aftermath. Now, on the second half of the podcast, I do want to talk about uh, fire. And, okay, this has happened. What is probably going on? What, what on earth could have caused something like this to get so out of control so quickly. And again, if you go to Google or maybe you even saw it live like I did, it was it was uh, just unheard of the uh, the way the fire spread and just how dark it was and just the impact that you can see from that. So we'll take a short break. We'll be back with more leading and learning through safety podcast. You've got a friend in the safety business. Who wants to help your team work safer? The safety dude. Who wants to help your leadership engage through safety? Again, the safety dude. Who is there to take your safety systems to the next level? That's right, the safety dude. Who has the knowledge and skill to drive safety ownership? You know it, the safety dude. So who is the safety dude? Dr. Mark French is an experienced and credentialized safety professional with a focus on the organizational psychology of your company. You can find a safety dude at TSD Amalgamated Safety Consulting, where he is ready to focus on your team's safety. www.tsdamalgamated.com. So welcome back to the second half of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. This week, talking about the Rockton, Illinois fire that happened at the industrial lubrication facility. They manufacture industrial lubricants. The first half of the podcast kind of went through what happened and what we know so far. And ultimately, what, what are they doing and how are they responding to it? So... When we look at industrial fires, there's a number of items that can happen. And again, I am at this point, we are, we are going out into speculation to learn from this. It's going to be months, maybe a year or more before we see any type of report that says, how did this fire start? How did it get out of control? One of the news stories that I actually came across talked about that they don't know yet if the sprinklers functioned and if they functioned correctly. The other question you have to ask is, did they have the right sprinklers for their operation? I was actually just uh, part of a talk that was looking at systemic 
processes of learning and like root cause analysis. And there was one about a fire that had started. And what they found out that was three years before the event even happened, that they received an inspection from the fire marshal. And the fire marshal, based on the current setup of the business, gave them the thumbs up. Well, later on, the business evolved and they found that maybe the sprinkler system wasn't as adequate anymore because things had changed. So there's a question that comes up whenever you're doing that investigation is, did the fire sprinklers happen? And if they did actuate, they should have been able to contain the fire. That's what your sprinkler system is for, is to minimize the damage to your area, to stop the fire where it's at, minimize that damage, minimize that loss. And in this case, if the sprinklers functioned and actuated, one, why didn't they if they didn't? So that's going to be curious if they figure that out. Like, why did they not function if they didn't? And if they did, why did it not work? Was it the wrong system? Had they changed their design? There's a lot of aspects of sprinkler design that can create that unknown part of that aspect of your fire prevention system. Uh, how did the equipment overheat to create the fire, if that's the case? Now, the most common that I have come across for industrial fires is uh, welding, cutting, and brazing, or hot work, uh, and not doing hot work in a way or in a location that it should be performed in. Now, again, we don't know what happened here, but this is a great segue for me to talk about one of the life safety critical aspects of chemical plants, and that's hot work. Now, of course, hot work under general industry is under welding, cutting, and brazing. It is not under the, there's not like a hot work standard that you could just search hot work. You have to go under welding, cutting, and brazing, which is 1910-252. And I have seen, even in big companies, small companies, there's sometimes a lack of knowledge of what does it mean to do hot work. And it can be very dangerous very quickly. And you have to focus on what is it that we're doing. The best hot work program is the one where you have a designated area for welding, cutting, brazing, spark producing, heat producing work that is outside your normal operation. And you have a setup just for that to where you can just do some housekeeping inspections, you verify it's in good shape, and you take all of that work to that one area that you know has been cleaned out of combustibles, that you know has good ventilation, that you know is set up for that work. If you absolutely cannot do the work in that area, that's when you have to do the hot work permit. And you have to verify that you have done all the things needed to make sure that you have cleaned up the area. There's no combustibles. There's nothing that can be spark producing that is going to start a fire. And then sometimes during inspections, I'll walk into a hot work area and you'll find some of the interesting things where maybe somebody just got done having lunch. And they've brought back a paper cup and left it from their lunch. Don't know why they brought it back, but there it is. Or wooden tabletop tables that they didn't think about. Well, that was just the table that was in here. It's a good table near nearby for storage of items. 
and they don't think about that these items can be combustible and that could start the fire for where you're at. So you have to take hot work seriously. It is one of those items that sometimes if you're not uh, very familiar with it, it can seem unimportant. I know in the chemical industry, especially if you're working around flammable chemicals, it is uh, it is one of the key items that you have to focus on. It's one of those top items that you are putting a lot of work behind. And in some industries, even in some chemical industries, where they're not working around flammables, the hot work program and your welding and cutting brazing programs can sometimes fall to the wayside and you don't focus on them as much as your lockout tagout or your confined space permits or your electrical processes um, or your fall protection processes because you think the hazard is low and there's a cognitive bias there about, well, you know, we've never had trouble there before, so we, we maybe shouldn't think about it. And doing a routine audit or rethinking about the fact that, okay, we're doing welding or cutting, we either have to have an area designated for welding and cutting or brazing, or we need to do a hot work permit every single time. That includes your, your fire watch and your follow-up. And all of that process that is in place to assure we do not have an industrial fire. Because industrial fires can get out of can get out of hand quickly. And we saw in this case here that supposedly it was sprinkled. Um, supposedly they had a process. They were a chemical plant. The investigation behind the why is going to be very interesting. They've handled some things very well after the fact. So that's not really indicative of what could have happened to create the fire from starting. And the investigation will certainly lead through that and guide us through what's happening. So I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on this one. Uh, I've been doing some regular searches of news and following the news and seeing how it's progressing. It's going to be a while. There's going to be a lot of sorting and debris and trying to figure out what happened in Rockton, Illinois with this fire. But one thing I want you to take away from it is no matter what industry you are in, don't take your hot work program lightly. Do your walkthrough. Take a look. Go and see if you're occasionally maybe doing a little bit of welding. Maybe you've got that handyman who you didn't know it, but they bought a small welder and occasionally they're back there doing some arcs, doing some items and trying to fabricate some small things, not frequently, but occasionally. Ask the questions. Find out. That could be important. You don't want to be surprised uh, by a fire. That's uh, never a good time to be surprised by that. So again, want to thank you for joining me on this episode of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. And until the next time we chat, stay safe. listening to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Join the conversation on the web at www.thesafetydude.org. All opinions expressed on the program are solely the view of the individual and not affiliated with any business entity. 
This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes. It is not a substitute for proper policy, appropriate training, or legal advice. This has been the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast.